welcome to episode number 26. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's Royces? I'm Shelly. I'm Bianca. And I'm Tiana. And here we come together to serve the group. We're indeed, back. Indeed. We are back. We are back with another live show. Yes, we are live for all the people. Yes, we are so happy to be back for a, a live, a second live episode of back to back, mm -hmm. back to back lives. Uh, are you guys getting used to the live world? You do? Yeah. I like it there. It can, it can be a little nerve-wracking at times, but Bianca told us all to breathe and God's with us, so. so uh, excuse our delay. We were a few minutes past that. Yes. Yeah. But, but we're here. Yes. We're, we're, we appreciate you guys coming. Yes. yes. So, we have, uh, first, let's recap last episode. Okay, cool. We had Kina on the show. Yeah. She is so amazing. I love that. Kina's yeah. energy is absolutely amazing. She comes with just knowledge and things that you can do to kind of offset things, you know, the seasonal yeah. depression, making boundaries. So since then, I've been making boundaries. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Have you guys been doing? Since doing then, I, I made a commitment to myself that I was not going to put off things um, that I could do right now. Mm -hmm. And um, get started on some personal goals that I have. So um, we'll Very see. good. Yeah. And I, I think I've just been like being more focused on self care and taking care of me. That is good. The self care is always good. Yeah. yeah. Because you only get one of you at the end of the day. Absolutely. So <laughs> and I feel like we always, um, you know, self-care is always something that tends to come up in conversations with us. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy that we are all taking care of ourselves. And, and yeah. Not. We have a go, go, go lifestyle. I think that's Americans in general. So a lot of times we're just like, oh, I have this to do. I have that to do. You don't really take the time to, you know, take care of yourself. So mm -hmm. that's important. Also, what's important is wealth. So today's episode, yes, uh, we are going to have on a special guest, mm -hmm. uh, Marcus Carter, mm -hmm. um, and he's going to talk to us about black wealth, building wealth, all those great things. Um, also, later in the episode, we're going to uh, talk more about our book club, so you'll see that video. Stay tuned at the end for yeah. that, um, and we'll go ahead and get started with today's show. Cool. Let's get it. Wealth is defined as the total financial value of what an individual or household owns as an asset, minus all debts or liabilities. Our next guest, Marcus Carter, has been working in our community to help build Black wealth brick by brick. Two years ago, Marcus formed the Black Wealth Builder. Since 2020, the Black Wealth Builder has been a pillar in our community across the United States, bringing together Black small business owners and providing resources that have turned dreams into reality. Through strategic alliances with small business standard bearers, the Black Wealth Builder continues to bring financial resources to propel growth efforts for Black small businesses. His mission is to help create or assist 1 million Black small businesses. Aligned in his mission to grow Black small businesses, Marcus is also a host of A Dollar in a Dream podcast. 
His podcast gives real-life accounts of Black small business owners across the world and their pursuit of Black wealth. These stories matter and light the path of us all. While some podcasts highlight where the heroes have been, A Dollar in a Dream podcast will let us know where they're going in their own words. We're excited to discuss these pressing topics. Brew Crew, please welcome Marcus Carter to the West Bruins' podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, ladies. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm better now. I feel I'm special. I feel, <laughs> I feel big. You know? <laughs> yes, we like to make sure anybody that's joining us on What's Brewing This Podcast, they get the proper introduction. Yeah. Everyone's our special guest. Yes. yes. So um, um, we I feel, are. I feel good to add my name to the list. I'm going to tell all my friends. <laughs> <tonight>. <laughs> We're happy to have you. Yes. So we're so happy you were able to join us today and be a part of this. We've been talking to you a lot behind the scenes about business and um, building wealth and, you know, all those great things. And we definitely want to bring that to our audience to share more. This is a very important topic to our community. Um, but before we get started, we always like to start with some icebreakers. Just kind of break, break it up a little bit. You know, sometimes people get nervous. Are you nervous? <laughs> No. No. I'm nervous for y'all, okay? Yeah, I you know what? You we I feel like we can't shake you. So that means I'm trying to shake you up a little bit. All right. If I can. Let's see what you got. All right, let's see what you got. All right, let's see what we got. All right. So my first icebreaker question, what do you wish was illegal? Um something, it could be something uh ordinary that you think is should be illegal. All right, y'all hitting out of the gate. Um, what do I wish was illegal? Um, <laughs> what, do I, what do I wish was illegal? All right, I'll go with. Um, I mean, in today's in in today's time, I wish um, rash thinking was illegal. I wish we were all kind of forced to kind of think about our decisions before we made them. Just even if if I could put a, a caption on it, I would I would make it would say "Do not press send." If there was <laughs> idea of what I meant about what you say before you say it, yeah. yeah. Now, specifically for black folk or black men in our community, most people got strikes before we even kind of figure out what life is. We make certain decisions when we're too young to make them that we kind of climbing up from, even as we come into yeah. adulthood. So. If we could kind of get an instant replay or the ability to kind of just think about things a little bit more before we got into it. Yeah, I'm going to create a um, a button that would allow you to like two minutes at least. When you hit send, it's two minutes. Lockdown, <laughs> just in case you want to change your mind. Yeah. Like, you know what? Never mind. Let me take that out. <laughs> so I had two. Um, one coughing or sneezing in public without covering your mouth. <laughs> and that was pre-pandemic. I was in the grocery store yesterday and like walking down the aisle looking for spaghetti sauce. And this person just free coughed like right in the direction of where I was walking to, like right 
toward my direction. I was like, I got so mad that I just walked away. I mean, <laughs> I had to circle back uh, to get the files. I'm like, that's just so ignorant to me. So I wish that was illegal. Two, um, thinking about building wealth, I think that it should be illegal for people under 25 to like have bad credit or credit scores. I feel like when you're 18 to 25, you're still figuring out like money, credit, things like that, because it's not taught in schools. Um, so you, I think there should be some learning curve for you. I like that. Yeah. I think that would be, I think that that would catapult our youth um, to get a fresh start as mm -hmm. opposed to kind of just being thrown in the credit score yeah. <laughs> game. I, I love that. That's a good one. What you got, Dion? Um, let's see. I wish it was illegal to just have a bad attitude. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That actually, I have two as well. That's actually one of mine's like, don't kill the vibe. Don't be a kill the vibe type person. <laughs> uh, that should be illegal. But I also put, um, also thought of shoveling snow. Like, I wish that. <laughs> Yeah. I, exactly. I wish that <laughs> I, for me, like just for me, uh -huh. you know, that uh, someone would just shovel my snow for me. Okay. It would just make life a lot easier. We need yeah. snow bots, snow robots, snow yeah. removing snow robots. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what y'all call men when we're not around, right? Snow, huh? snow robots. That's what y'all call men when we're not around because that's what channel we're <laughs> No. Education or medical insurance, yeah, both should be free. I know. Oh, I love yeah. that. I'm gonna clap that up. Yeah, air yeah, should be free. Um, <laughs> agree with that. Education should be free. Absolutely. So yeah. our next question is: What music do you listen to to get hyped up? We'll let you take that one first, Marcus. Oh, here we go. Showing age. I'm. I'm one of those uh, Jay-Z tried and true. Now, that's if I'm not listening to myself from back in the day, back in the day, when I was in my die line mode, when I had bars, but love. Die line, <laughs> die line. Spit Jay, bars like Jay, Jay kind of do it for me at, at all at all points in time. So even to a point, I don't remember times when I don't been about to speak or been about to do something. And what more can I say was the track. That would give me where I was going. Do you have a um an album somewhere? You know what they call them? Yeah, I'm I'm lurking. Then that's the thing about the internet where you gotta think about pressing sin. I'm lurking. I'm lurking out there on the internet somewhere. Okay. We, I go, <laughs> we gonna find it. If they had beforehand, it would have been in the intro. Like, yeah. <laughs> it would have. See, that would have really got you moving. Uh for me, it's Chicago Jeep music. Okay. <laughs> Trap music, please. <laughs> I got no trap music. So, Who's your favorite trap artist? Oh man. Um, right now, yeah. I, I'm probably going to say, oh, that's a good question. So, mm, 
circle back on that one. Okay, okay. Um, because I like to listen to a little bit of everything. I really I don't want to tell people I listen to Kodak Black. Kodak <laughs> <laughs> Black. Yeah, we go faster. But if I'm going old, you know, I won't call it old school, but our generation, I would say um Bia Bia. <laughs> Uh, and also, you, uh, uh, Deion Sanders. His theme music yeah. is that song. Must yeah. be the money. <laughs> <laughs> that song too. Those two songs. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I got. <laughs> what um, about you, D? I would say probably it could be upbeat R and B. Okay. Or, yeah. To get hyped up. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I mean, Say I don't what you mean, really feel gospel music. <laughs> Some gospel yeah, music, yeah. it could be, it could be, yeah. depending on what I'm getting hyped up for. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, uh, Shy City Glide is trap music, I think. Yeah, he said he's in the 90s, yeah. That's Janelle, said 90s, 90s rap, rap and, and hip hop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, here's Aiden. We're not dating ourselves. Yes, we are. No, we're not. It's okay. Yes, we are. We're fine wine, you yeah. know? It's okay. The classics. <laughs> the classics. <laughs> All right, next question. Um, what was the last goal you achieved? I woke up this morning. That was, that was, that was really, really up there. I wasn't sure if it was going to happen. <laughs> but then it um, so, yeah, I'm going to put that one. Okay. Um, for me, it was I got my college degree and I launched my design business. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it would be um, I purchased my house last year and um, I'm almost at the end of my degree program. So oh, I'll be getting my, get it. my bachelor's degree here soon. Yes, so, yes, yes. Yeah. I'll say I took on some new roles and responsibilities at work that I kind of wanted to do. We are so boring. Oh, <laughs> oh I did more stuff at work. <laughs> yeah. All right, last question. Um, what hard time in life left you a better person after it was completed? Mm. Um, now, I would say that one would relate to these children's. I think mm-hmm. it's a little bit different. For, uh, well, I think... I think black mothers, for some reason, I feel like a light clicks when it happens for you guys. But then when it happens for us, for us, it takes a little bit longer for it to click. So being able to navigate some things with them and and, and had them still look at me like the Faja, um, <laughs> that meant a lot. Um, single dad. So, yeah, that that's quite a ride. So uh, flowers to everybody that's raising a kid by themselves. It definitely takes a village. Um, that's probably one of the, the few times I'll, I'll, I'll honestly say I'm scared. Yeah. yeah. And it's okay to be scared. I was going to, that's actually my answer as well. Being a single parent for some time definitely left me a better person afterwards during the time. Like if I could go lock myself in the closet and cry, <laughs> it was, it's hard when you're trying to figure out everything financially by yourself you're trying to raise a person by yourself you Absolutely. you get given a person and like 
Now what? Now what <laughs> you supposed to do with this person? Mm-hmm. So it's and like they're making their own decisions and doing things. At so. some point, yes, they start making their own decisions and they become a whole person out here. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, stop growing up. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to stay small, but you know, you kind of have to like hand them to the world and. Let them figure that way. Including you, Marcus, and ladies, too. Are you guys, you guys tend to feel like for your older children that you are friends with them? Like you have a, a different type of relationship that than you had when they were growing up? No, to an extent. Um, I would say we're friendly. I won't say like <laughs> we best. Yeah, I still them. say like I'm not one of your friends. Don't call me bruh. Like, oh my god! That don't bother me though. It, yeah. it doesn't bother me to the extent that I feel like I have to like punish her, but it definitely bothers me. Like, where did we? Like, what happened to Mama? <laughs> like, what yeah, to I'm mom? like, no. There needs to be a separation between me and the people you hang out with. Don't yes. Me, bro. To, to still be somewhat young, um, mm-hmm. uh, I still feel like we moving and shaking. Yeah. To have like young people look at me like. Come on, dad. Like, I'm the lamest guy in the world, and only your kids can kind of do that. Uh-huh. Um, it, it definitely do some. I've never felt as uncool as I've ever felt as walking <laughs> around with my kids. Yeah. Well, you got to let them listen to your, your mixtape. You <laughs> they, they, they have. It doesn't matter. That makes it worse for them. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to be a And how old are your kids? Oh, they. I got some big ones. Uh, my oldest is 22, my youngest is 18. Oh, uh, I was gonna say they get to an age at a certain point where you're not as lame. Um, I like to think my son don't think I'm as lame. We have to. <laughs> <laughs> he may beg well, to differ. <laughs> you know, I'm cool. I'm a cool mom. We'll like, interview Kayla. Yeah, right, we'll find out. It's okay. Stay tuned. Okay, <laughs> you know, I I think I'm a cool mom. I think you're a cool mom. All right, so you started the Black Wealth Builder um, in a Dollar in a Dream podcast. I was reading yeah, I a little bit. I want to know bit. what hard time in life made me a better person. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I thought you answered. We didn't get the answer. No, that's okay. No, go ahead. Tell us. I think everybody knows, like experiencing breast cancer. Oh, oh yeah. Hard Absolutely. time, but made me a better. I was actually like, what time? Was that? <laughs> We did not You're leave right. you off that movie. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, Black Wealth Builder, I was reading something on your Facebook page, you know, a story you told about you sitting in lunch at Proviso East. I imagine you were in 4A lunch, <laughs> <laughs> sitting there trying to figure it all out. What are you going to do next? college, military, all that good stuff. Um, Tell us about how you got from there for a lunch to the Black Wealth Builder. Oh. um, Well, even when you you start speaking about wealth, which I think is kind of measured in time, um, when you start talking about financial freedom, when you start talking about giving yourself options, so being in that position where you're starting to experience adulthood, where I think that was going to the military was probably one of my first adult decisions of feeling mm-hmm. like, okay, I need to figure out how I'm going to take care of myself and kind of mm-hmm. really having to do that math about, okay, I need a place to lay my head, uh, somewhere that allowed me to pay my bills, even the little ones that I had at that time. Uh, and it was kind of like a precursor what a lot of people, people go through 
fast forward, um, we got four or five podcasts. We'll fill in all the blanks in between. Um, but fast forward to being in a position where you want to start to take control of that process. I think when you're young, stuff is coming at you so fast that you kind of just going with it. You feel like you're in somewhat control of it, but you kind of just going with the flow and kind of just trying to like hang on, quote unquote, even being in the passenger seat of a car that you're supposedly supposed to be driving. Yeah. And getting to getting to a point where you start feeling like you can engineer some of these processes where you can kind of look back going all the way back to high school to kind of come in full circle somewhat as an adult. And you starting to look at it like math. Okay. When things were going well, this was happening. This was happening. This was happening. When things weren't going well, this was happening. This was happening. This was happening and starting to say, okay, what happens if I tinker with some of these decisions that are being made? What if I mix this circumstance with this circumstance? What does it mean if I mix this circumstance with this circumstance? What does it mean? And then kind of decide in your own metrics. So am I making a decision that's financially driven? And am I making a decision that's spiritually driven? Am I making a decision that's career driven? And you start to try to find your own perfect recipe of more or less creating a life for your own design. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely key to us, you know, I think we all get to that crossroads of trying to understand what, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and when, and like, when, at what age? Cause I know for me, like it's, I, I was the last to leave the house, but I'm also the, the youngest. And I like the fact that my parents kind of didn't rush me out of the home when I um <laughs> when I became of age and was able to leave. Um, so I plan to do the exact same thing with my daughter. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to go just yet. You yeah, know, stack stack your paper. And I almost feel like in in some of those situations, it's like almost like you're too young to make that that decision. Mm-hmm. I even wish uh, going into the military, you have to be a little bit older mm-hmm. um, because that's that's so young. Yeah, it's definitely young. Um, for my son, he just graduated, uh, college December of last year. And I told him, you know, when college is over, I want you to stay home, pay off all your debt. And when he leaves here, I want him to be buying property to get out here and have property when you leave and not, you know, be paying rent, Absolutely. you know, cause you get caught up in the, the rent game where it's like, you're paying rent, you're paying your bills, you're doing that. And I want him to have something that he can own and that's going to start generating wealth for him. Absolutely. So, yeah. I think so often like these, these things that we're talking about, like Shelly, you said um, a decision on the military. And I think we're put in a position where we look at those things like they're calendar driven when, while I would, would agree with that is because a person isn't taught at that point how to figure out what they might want to do. And I think some of the onus on that is kind of the signals and some of the content that we receive as young people that don't kind of prepare us. A lot of the, the thoughts that we're talking about of on the pass down real estate to our children, mm-hmm. they have no idea what that would mean. And now that's not that they per se wouldn't be able to handle it, but a lot of times they're not even we weren't shown anything about that. Home Mac no. was about balancing the checkbook, not per se cash flow, not per se entrepreneurship, 
Well, we have no idea what they can handle. You'll go online now and you see all these stories about 11-year-olds creating apps, uh, eight-year-old mm-hmm. geniuses that, that are leading symphony orchestras. When like we kind of assign that like, okay, that person isn't ready, but we don't even really give them a chance. Person probably yeah. could make a decision on the military at 18, but they've never had a chance to practice what it's like to make a life-altering or, or life-deciding decision at that time and some of that falls on us and i think some of that falls on the quote unquote powers that be i think somebody likes it that way um and being mindful of that i think i think it's something that needs to be spoken on so what was the um what changed for you what was there a life experience that you went through that caused you to say i want to be the change for my family how did you start to think the way that you think failure Mm. okay a specific and, and and we all being parents like the tough part with kids is like that's, watching that's somebody that you statement. that that is i was yeah. gonna say that i'm gonna let you finish but i'll let you finish <laughs> when you when you watch something that you made and they start to get faced with things to your point shelly that they're you know they're not prepared for and they're in situations and you're watching somebody that you care about be hurt and you really can't do anything um so again being able to take inventory on where you've been and say okay how can i engineer things how can i put things in a certain position and honestly you look back on life and if you honest with yourself a lot of the predicaments that you end up in you put yourself in those positions so if you have the ability to kind of screw things up the pendulum has to naturally swing the other way where you probably have the ability to engineer decisions and engineer scenarios that are more up your alley, so to speak. Um, but I think you gotta go through that failure to kind of like understand that and make the decision. Are you gonna pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go this way? Or are you kind of gonna accept life on those terms and continue down that path where things are dictated for you? And I agree with that. And just to uh, piggyback on what, off of what you said, failure is the best teacher. I feel a lot of times that, you know, now, even in school, they try to protect kids from failure. It's like no one loses. There isn't competitive sports in so many school districts. Uh, my son's school district, they didn't, when he was in grammar school, they didn't have competitive sports. The way they did it, all the kids that wanted to be on the basketball team, they were all grouped together. So it, might, it was like six different schools. And you might be on the same team with somebody who goes to another school um, because they want to mix it up. And then no one was a loser. Everyone wins. Um, but I feel like failure helps you to build character and helps you to understand what you don't like now. It's like, okay, I don't like losing. I don't like failure. Let me do the things that's going to make me successful. Um, so I think that that's definitely important to Absolutely. you know get that start going. For sure. I think another component, like along with failure being a, a tool to teach you how to, you know, build strength, endurance, character, whatever. Also, um, we have to add exposure to that because I think a lot of things that we've said thus far or in general is like we weren't exposed to this or we didn't mm-hmm. know that. So making sure that, you know, this generation, which I think is, in a lot of instances, they do have a, a exposure to a lot more things just because sure. like the Internet alone, right. mm-hmm. but making sure that we are part of their experience and that they are exposed to the things that we didn't get exposed to at an early age is also, you know, beneficial in, sure. in their future success. Absolutely. Especially Absolutely. with business, especially with business. Like you, 
you ladies probably know and I know the original idea that we had about what we wanted to do to grow our business or start our business. That's not what we're doing right now. It's been a constant mm -hmm. trial and error. So to Deanna's point, you have to kind of get comfortable in that space. Well, like I'm just going to tinker with it until it gets right. And then to be able to take the chances and take on the challenges, you have to have a particular appetite and an understanding that like this can't go well, but it that may reveal what I needed to know. Yes. And even with um, going to what Deanna said about exposure, <clears throat> I said before, like growing up in Maywood, like being a business owner was never something that I was exposed to or that I even thought was possible. If you went down my block, my neighbors worked at the post office, post office. I'm just going to go down each house, post office, post office, Loyola, a nursing home, um, a factory somewhere close to Indiana. Like that's where everyone's blue collar. Everyone, uh, you know, worked regular jobs. And it was even told to me, okay, you know, once you graduate, you go to college and you get out here and work. Or if you don't go to college, you get out here and get a job. It was never, hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to start a business? Do you want to, you know, do these things? So it was never anything that I thought of. Um, until I was older, because in my 20s, I started to realize, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to work um, for someone else, and I don't want to build wealth for someone else. I kind of want to have that. I want to be on the receiving end of being the person who gets the wealth at the end of the day, you know, and, and making the decisions. So I think it was like a slow roll up until we, you know, really had that conversation that we started, you know, getting into business. So yeah, there's nothing worse to me than sitting in a meeting and talking about figures and the bottom line and what your projections are for the next year and knowing that I'm only getting a small percentage of that. Mm -hmm. Like those conversations are so extremely hard to have and sit into. And it's like, let's have a town hall. And you know, <laughs> we're talking about you know, all of these numbers, but you only see so much of that. So the entrepreneur game for me is just it's it it's I can never go back. <laughs> I, I never see myself going back. So I think if you have a hunger for this, um, to be an entrepreneur, I think that you go for it. Yeah. And if you don't, it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. You know, people grow up and they do. They want to be nurses. They want to be police officers. And that's fine. We need those people. Thank you. Yes. We need <laughs> I need cashiers. It's okay to be a cashier if that's what you are comfortable doing it is okay and being an entrepreneur is not the end goal for everyone and that's fine yes um i want to touch on a comment from top a's international enterprise uh who stated there's a deep disconnect between the old generation and the new um and how do we fix that gap um uh, what are your thoughts on that marcus information um it's a simple answer for anything like if you have the more information you have the the more of an opportunity you have to make an informed decision whether you're going to make the right one or the wrong one uh but the more give yourself more data and the same thing that we're talking about right here like as we get older we have more data like our palette is expanded we have more experiences to kind of help us figure out hey, is this the decision i really want to make um, or am I being driven by emotions? Um, is this money driven? So on and so forth. And kind of even going back to the last question, 
we never kind of shed a shed light on the fact like you go to college and college is supposed to be this spread your wings moment, but they kind of mm-hmm. just sit you down and say, pick between these majors. They don't say, okay, how can we harness whatever your uh, inner ability is or the thing that you like to do? They just say, pick between these and you kind of think about it and say, who wins if we just kind of go to a place and kind of from a life standpoint, they're like, pick between these professions. So it's mm-hmm. kind of creating a system, a factory, whatever you would like to call it. Well, we're not making any decisions at that point. Right. Uh, how, how does one find their passion? How, what's your passion and how did it, how did it come about? Um, I think a, a person's passion or even when you start talking about business and being able to monetize a passion, I think you start with something that you can do very, very well or that mm-hmm. comes very natural to you. I like to say uh, something that you can do with minimum input that allows for maximum uh, output. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, if like my daughter started doing hair at like 11, mm-hmm. that's something that came natural to her, uh, so on and so forth. Well, you look at what you do well, and then it's easy to say, okay, I do this better than somebody else. How can I leverage it? Because again, if wealth is measured in time, usually your skill set allows you to save time or allows somebody else to save time, like a customer mm-hmm. or a client. So mind yourself for what do you do easy that comes easy to you? Like, for example, Michael Jordan, playing basketball came easier to him than it probably came to everybody else. There was a natural progression. Or if we're talking about Jay-Z, putting together words and articulating them, that comes a little bit easier to him than it comes to everybody else. And we all want to be seen. We all want to look in the mirror and feel like we're somebody. We all want to go outside and be recognized. So kind of being able to mind yourself for like, what do I do that comes easy to me that seems to come harder to everybody else? For sure. And what's that passion of yours? (laughs) To be honest with you, uh, simply, I like to tinker. So that's one of those difficult ones where it takes a little bit longer. Like I literally, I enjoy puzzles. I enjoy looking at situations and saying, Okay, based on the data, the probability is this, so on and so forth. Now, that's not easily translatable to looking at a college application or a college brochure and saying, what's the major for somebody that enjoys critical analysis? Yeah. And it takes you 20 years to figure out, okay, this is what kind of comes natural to me. This is what I do when the lights aren't even on, but how do I leverage that for myself? Mm -hmm. For sure. And so what is your definition of or what does black wealth mean to you? Empowerment, being able to make our own decisions and create a a life of our own design, completely irrelevant to money. Um, There's a wealthy person out there right now that has ten dollars in their pocket. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's a person right now that has ten million dollars in their pocket or in their bank account and they feel like they're in struggle. So if you're looking at that with a practical, a practical application on how you might be able to measure wealth, let's say a a person's can generate $5,000 a month or it costs $5,000 a month to be that person. So if you had $50,000, that means you could go for 10 months without making another dollar being able to enjoy your same lifestyle. So if you're Mm -hmm. saying, okay, how would I measure that in time or how would I move forward? Uh, being able to take your own personal lifestyle, what does it take to have that lifestyle? 
And then how long could you go if another dollar ever came in? And that kind of gives you a, a, a timestamp. Um, some people could go for years without having to make another dollar based on their current standard of living. And then some of us, unfortunately, you've heard the check the check. Some of us couldn't go two weeks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes to what my answer was um, for me is freedom. Having that freedom to move around the way you, you would like. That doesn't always equal you have $2 million in your bank account. Um, it's just the freedom to um, make the type of decisions for your life and the moves that you want to make with your life um, without, you know, consequences. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I want to do this, but if I do this, I can't pay my mortgage. Mm -hmm. Or um, I want to make these type of decisions, but I can't because of whatever, fill in the blank. Um, so I think freedom for me is what Black wealth means. Um, and also us uh, being more in the know is the education. We, I feel like um, we're catching up. We're, we're a little behind the eight ball and we're starting to catch up to learning about real estate, to learning about being an entrepreneur, uh, to learning about even something as simple as saving money, um, something as simple as 401k. Like, you know, if you would have asked me at 21, about a 401k. I'm like, no, I'm not putting my extra money over here. Like, no, I need that money right now. Um, not really knowing, you know, about that and life insurance and all those great things. So, um, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point. I, I think to, um, you know, well, for me, for sure, means education and just being able to move the way that I want to move. I, I would say for sure going into business with these ladies has definitely, I feel like I hit the lottery with what we're Aww. doing. Ching. <laughs> I'm the little lotto. <laughs> so they, they're not modest at all. <laughs> uh, but yes, I mean, it is. You, we, we have, there are struggles, you know, there, there are things we don't agree with. It's not always cherries but you know cherries I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's not always fun you know it, it's hard but when you can see that dollar at the end when we look at our numbers and we see what we were able to bring in as a group as a company um it's it's it's, it's a different world and also we can see what we're building Absolutely. so it's like man what is the future gonna be like mm -hmm. yeah. you know I, think when we, I think when we look back maybe 50 years from now, kind of similar to the Great Migration when, you know, mm -hmm. black people from the South moved up to the North, we're going to look back at the pandemic similar. There was enough yeah. money floating yeah. around. There was enough time floating around when you kind of got to see what people were capable of if they weren't in a constant mindset of survival, like mm -hmm. being able to step out of Hey, how do I pay my mortgage? How do I pay rent? I got to get to work tomorrow. I got to do this. I got to pick the kids up. And did you see how many people just say, hey, I want to start a business. I want to start podcasts. Yep. I want to write books. What mm -hmm. happened when you're not in survival mode? And like yeah. when you talk about freedom, when you talk about wealth, a lot of that is getting yourself out of survival mode and allowing yourself to see what would you create if you didn't have to worry about putting food on the table? What would you create if you didn't have to worry about how your rent might get paid? And you got a, a little microcosm of what could happen. Mm -hmm. Yes. So today we had like a big meeting at work and it was a, a surrounding um, how we're going to show up to our clients in 2023. But the three things that they focused on, I feel like it's also a good description of what Black wealth means. 
um, education, customization, and um, oh, I just lost the third one. Education, customization, and value. So being able to, I think, circulate uh, revenue within the Black community, mm-hmm. it, you know, shows that we're intentional about how we you know, and govern ourselves, invest our time and resources and what we're committed to, what we're passionate about. Um, and that's how we generate Black wealth um, because we are looking to add value, to tailor things to our own community and to bring others up in an education of, of you can do this too. That brings a good point. I was talking to Shelly earlier. Um, there was a TikTok video I saw um, and it was a Hispanic uh, guy saying, this video is for Black people. He was saying, um, you know, a lot of times Black people look at, you know, what, you know, Hispanic people will have, like, oh, you got this big, nice truck, you got this, you got that. Well, how did you get this? And he was saying to Black people that we need to keep money in our own communities. He was like, this is how we do it. We, you know, if I need a fence, I'm going to go see Hector. If I need this, I'm going to go see Maria. I'm going to keep the money in the, I think he was Mexican. I'm going to keep the money in the Mexican community. And we're going to circulate this money through us. Mm -hmm. Um, That way we're all building wealth from us and outside people. Um, And I think that we need to do that a little bit more um, with, you know, patronizing businesses that are from people like us or people that we know or people in our community. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really eye-opening once you see stuff like that come from outside people. And this isn't the first time I've seen this sort of video. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, man, is it really, are we really looking like that to everybody else? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I don't, I don't think any of that is a coincidence, though. So if you even go back to plantation lifestyle, just from the sheer numbers. So you might have a plantation owner and his family. So let's say they number 10 or 15 and let's say these people own 200 slaves. So it's 200 Mm -hmm. people and it's 15 people. The methods uh, that they use to kind of keep that type of churn going. Those are some of the same things we see today and like legislation. So we were kind of, I believe we were kind of bred to do that where we were kept away from like the power of what could happen if we were able to unite the power of our own dollar. Now in today's world, that information is readily available. We know how powerful we are, but we're, we're dealing with generation after generation after generation of kind of habitual um, processes being put out there to make sure that we don't access that information, we don't act on it, Uh, certain triggers that we respond to that make us say, when we see somebody doing great, it makes us say, how did they get that as opposed to let's do something together? I think Mm -hmm. none of that is coincidence whatsoever. Do you see a change with that though? Do you see any, I'm trying to be as hopeful as I possibly can (laughs) because I agree, but do you see change in that? I do, I do. Well, I see, I see, Today, with more information being readily available, I see we have a choice for change. We can decide to access certain information, um, even in my business, which is heavily, heavily, heavily geared towards 
networking and being able to reach out to people and being able to kind of collect resources and share resources. But it's a choice. Like even as a black entrepreneur, it's, it's not that many of us. Um, and not saying that you have to be an entrepreneur to be in that space. But today we do have the choice to say, hey, I'm going to go that way or I'm going to go that way. I think that puts a level of responsibility on our work as black entrepreneurs, because it doesn't always look as cool as we think it does. We wake up in a business mm -hmm. and we wear 15, 16 hats. We're running around trying to get people to try our products, to try our yeah. services. When uh, certain people might be more comfortable saying, hey, I'm just going to go sit here for eight hours because that check going to be there on Friday. Right, but Fact. today we, do, we are starting to see the like, or I can get with my friends and we can start a coffee business. The choice mm -hmm. is more readily available, and then the resources are more readily available, which is kind of what I hung my hat on. I'm gonna make sure we got a chance. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think too, when because what's funny is in the coffee game, people they try us. You know, I, I people they try us with stuff that they post on social media and the questions that we get. Um, so sometimes it can be very disheartening, but I think that it's about the answer you give back to that person. So mm -hmm. if I see that somebody is now roasting coffee on Facebook and they just so happen to be my friend, you know, my my first initial reaction would be like, now why are you copying mm -hmm. off what I'm doing? <laughs> but essentially there is enough to go around. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I'm so competitive that my first thought won't be that. My first thought will be, or I'll try, because we have I'll try. I was like, to, where are you going with this? No, <laughs> I'll try to be a little bit more um not the copy. You know what I'm saying? Like I know that this business is a four point six billion dollar business. It that can't be your first reaction. So mm -hmm. I think we can't on the opposing end be as defensive, mm -hmm. you know, as it would, you know. Yeah, it doesn't bother me if uh, well, some people say, you know, for somebody to copy you is the biggest form of flattery. Yeah. So if if what I'm doing inspires someone else, even if they, they want to do the same thing, like we said before, you can share the ingredients. It doesn't mean it's going to taste the same or look the same or have the same outcome. So right. I don't mind if, and, and there's no, also nothing wrong with a fairly fair game competition, whatever. It could, be, it could be friendly competition, whatever. Yeah. But um, I think if it's coming from a place of, uh, you know, if there is some negative vibe behind it or you're trying to be like, oh, if they could do it, I know I could do it better or whatever. It's mm -hmm. like, come on, game on, whatever. Yeah. But um, we also could still be supportive of each other. I could yeah. know somebody else in the coffee game and wish them well, purchase their coffee, they purchase mine. You know, mm -hmm. it's enough wealth to go around. So it's like, Whatever somebody else is doing, it doesn't take away from what I'm doing, Absolutely. even if they have a negative spirit behind what they're doing. Yeah, you know? and it's, just, it's hard, though. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard. Because I'd be like, where's the energy? You know? <laughs> Let's all, you know, work. I'm happy, like, go out, sure. sis. Do what, do what makes you happy. Also, being in the coffee industry, a lot of people are like, what do y'all know about coffee? You know, yeah, we get that. Um, if we said we were doing hair or nails, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be the questions or the looks. Um, so it's like, why coffee? Why why do this? It's it's like we don't belong. belong. Yeah, and it's like, well, we belong anywhere we want to be. Right. Like we can uh, occupy space and whatever it is that we decide we want to do, and it shouldn't be a well. 
you don't belong well, there. Well, what makes you think you can? Yeah, you know, what makes you think you can? Like, you know? right, right. What do you know? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I'm not a person that's going to take the time to try to prove myself. Um, so it's like, hey, I can give you the information that you want and then keep it moving if you want to play the guessing game and try to, you know, test my skills. Do so you? <laughs> Do you? Yeah. So, uh, if somebody came to you right now and said, what can we do to build black wealth in our family? What would your answer be? Uh, it would be by the, it would be by the numbers. Um, I real estate is, I would more or less push them towards real estate or avenues that would lead to real estate. You, to me, you kind of got to look at barriers of entry. So you might go apply for a job and if you don't have a master's degree, you can't, you can't apply for that job or if they're looking for mm-hmm. somebody with a doctorate. So from a tangible, what can I do tomorrow? Um, mm-hmm. Real estate and entrepreneurship, if you look at it, they have very, very low uh, barriers to entry. You don't have to have a certain education level to go start an LLC. You don't have to have a certain education level to start owning property where mm-hmm. even something like the stock market or under, you need a, a job to understand the 401k. You need you need certain things to get started. So I get asked that question all the time, like, what can I do? And I'm a very pragmatic, a very practical person. I wouldn't even make a plan on something that is contingent upon somebody else doing something. So mm-hmm. you you, you want to know what can you get started with? I typically push people there. And that's kind of where I started. Mm-hmm. I've been through things in life where um at a certain point, my college degree wasn't going to be the thing that kind of was the catalyst for change or the triggers for change. And I ended up in real estate because when you look at that application or you start looking at what are the opportunities out there, there was no education, criminal background, what's your credit or anything like that. If you have the the time, the energy and the, mm-hmm. the, the chutzpah or the ambition <laughs> to do it you can just go do it. Similar to an mm-hmm. LLC. Go to illinois.gov and they will tell you, okay, you got a business once you pay that $155. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of taking yourself down those streets. Mm-hmm. So uh, Top A is an international enterprise stated, I've been in the coffee game since 2009, so I feel you. Yeah, and that's one of my that's one of my goons. I told yeah. them it was three. Of I told my people it's three of y'all. What up, Marvin? Wait, back me up. <laughs> we, we have to connect for sure. Yeah, share some insight on that. Um, yeah, the coffee game is a beast. Yeah, there. definitely. Um, but yes, that that's definitely good information about real estate, and that was something that I didn't even you know think about as a wealth builder. I I learned a lot um, listening to other people talk. Um, so when I used to work at a car dealership, I used to sell cars for, you know, several years. Um, I was, <laughs> did you, right? you. So I used to talk to people and just listen to them. And like some things that just stuck with me, there was a, uh, family, the mom was an interior decorator. She had this business for like 30 years. She was set to retire. And her daughter opened her own interior design, interior decorating business. And, you know, this one was very successful. Her husband um, was in some other business and they were just talking about passing the business down through the family and 
um, stuff like that. And also I learned about real estate through another client. Um, they were saying how they um, flip houses or they'll purchase real estate, sell it at a profit and use that money to do this. And um, also learned a little bit about investments. That still confuses me. I don't really understand it that much, but um, I'm learning. Yeah. Now, yeah. even when I even when I sold cars, I used to think in the back of my head, what do I do once everybody has a car? Like, what do I do <laughs> once I kind of figure it out? And so I had that. ideas of real estate at that time. And to me, one of the things that's not going out of style is having four walls, especially mm -hmm. in Chicago. When a hawk is out there, it's never going out of style. So never. the way people move around and being able to kind of like follow patterns. I think I usually use the example of it's very difficult for the average person to in one sitting probably to understand the stock market. But understanding that hey, if you build a factory right there, the people that work at the factory are going to need somewhere to live. Those are very, very, very simple concepts. And those are the same indicators, same drivers in the industry like real estate, like a third grader could figure them out. Yeah. And definitely during the pandemic, it started to get, I made the mistake. I won't say mistake. I purchased a house at the tail end of the pandemic and it was crazy. So I think so many people during the pandemic realized I don't like where I live. I don't like where I work. Everybody <laughs> started, started making changes. Like <laughs> get divorced. Everybody started quitting, getting divorced by the house. Yes, it, it just, you know, turned over a new leaf for everybody. But out here trying to buy a house, I was outbid seven different times on seven different houses. That's a good question. And what about the pandemic changed you? Yeah, that is a good question. What about the pandemic changed you? Uh, to be honest with you, it emboldened me. Like, uh, Deanna, like we, she was talking about earlier, like having a, a appetite for fear or having an appetite for the fight and the challenges that come with, um, entrepreneurship and not just entrepreneurship in my particular field saying, I'm going to make a decision to kind of go all over the country and dealing with people are people that have been kind of preconditioned a certain way over the generations. I'm going to go to their doorstep and say, no, nah, I need you to check this out. Or what if you looked mm -hmm. at it that way? Um, I think the pandemic did that. It gave me the resources and the time to kind of get into the information to feel confident enough to do that. I am a realtor, so I enjoyed the hell out of that um, during that time of how it was and how easily it was to move real estate. But again, I would focus on that was at a point where people had resources and they had time and their natural predisposition was to go improve their living situation. And yeah. it created a lot of windfalls and it, it emboldened a lot of people. A lot of people have been renting all their life. And then yeah. during that period of time, they said, no, this is hard, but I'm going to go try this out. This is yeah. hard, but I'm going to go do this. It emboldened me, and I think it, it emboldened our entire race, I believe. I think so. That was definitely, <laughs> I was laughing because that was definitely me. I kept quitting. I was like, I don't want a house. I don't want to buy it. I hate this. All right, I'm going to go look at this house right. tomorrow. Y'all want to go with me? I tried fun. to warn. I'm like, the process can be, you know, endearing to say the least, like, all the paperwork and being asked for the same paperwork over and over again and all that. But I'm like, 
just do it. Just 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 push through it. It was one. I don't know if both of you were there. I know Shelly for sure. I think you were there too. We went to go look at this townhouse. They went with me and we got there and it was a line mm-hmm. like yeah. the Jordans were released. And I was like, <laughs> what is happening here? I was like, I don't even want to be here anymore because I'm not going to get the house. It's so, it was so, it was a line of yeah. the block that neighbors started coming out looking like, what's, what's going on? Yeah. It was embarrassing. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm glad that you stuck with it and you kept yeah. pushing through it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad I didn't get that place anyway. <laughs> so there, but um, t- this is a great segue. You were talking about you're traveling all over, going to people's doorsteps. Tell us about the Black Wealth Builder. Uh, the Black Wealth Builder was established and continues today to be a standard bearer as far as providing information about the resources that are available uh, to Black small business owners and uh, helping businesses articulate themselves for, to give them access to those resources. Uh, real estate, business, you would be surprised to know just how much money is out there, how many resources are out there, and they're looking for people to give them to. Um, yes. If you went online right now and just looked up the amount of grant funds, uh, the amount of capital that's available that goes unspoken for, Uh, Because of simple things like a person that runs a successful business, but they run everything through their personal checking account as opposed to starting a business bank account. Um, So being able to kind of arm ourselves, uh, I like to say all of these things, we weaponize business, being Mm -hmm. able to say, okay, if I articulate my business this way and I'm not talking about doing anything different, I'm just talking about going to a bank making the $100 initial deposit, showing them your articles of organization, showing them your EIN, having a business bank account and doing the exact same thing. And then going to a bank and saying, okay, what's available to me? It's so many things where like, you would think they were basic life hacks that powers that be, you'd be surprised that we don't know. So Mm -hmm. I made it my mission to travel all over the United States to bring black small business owners together and just giving them these basic nuggets. Um, They go to this website to do that. They go to this website to do that. Fill out this form if you would like to do that. Because so many things are so simple as far as accessing these resources. You know, the the statistic of 96% of businesses fail within the first two years, and it'll make you think, it'll make you question your idea. It's nothing to do with your idea. You run out of resources. So being mm-hmm. able to, if you have a business that's even able to last two years, you got something. All you yeah. need is the ability to scale, the resources to do more of what you're already doing. If you can make a dollar, you can make 10. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. One of our, our mentors recently told us like, you know, in two years, black businesses or businesses in general typically fail. So she told us just don't you don't have you don't have to let that be your story mm-hmm. here let me show you these things to prevent that from happening um so that's another thing too i think people have to take 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 the information for what it is but you don't have to fall into this two-year scope or this two-year death spiral of my business just not just might not make it because we're at the two-year mark mm-hmm. um so the great information i think that's important how do you determine um, what businesses that you work with? Like, have you heard an idea that you didn't like and you chose not to work with that business owner? 
No, never. Decisions are never per se made based on the business. Um, my my technical profession or technical lane would be business development consulting. Um, mm -hmm. So usually I'm looking for the fit. Do I have something that I can help that business owner with? And does that business owner has that have they decided if they would allow me to be on that journey with them? Um, there's a little bit of power in the information, um, but I'm more or less, and this may be weird, I'm more or less measuring how somebody processes the information. I think yeah. a lot of this, this stuff is two plus two equals four. Um, if you <laughs> come in contact with 10 people in a given month and you're able to sell your product or service to three of them, your penetration rate is 30%. So what would happen yeah. if you were able to talk to 20 people? What would happen if you were able to talk to 30 people and being able to kind of dissect that information to kind of put yourself on that track? So I'm usually willing to share that little simple truth right up front. And if somebody's kind of looking sideways like, nah, that doesn't make sense, we might not be a good fit. But <laughs> the information that I'm sharing, and I didn't invent any information, everything that I share with a client, you can Google. Yeah. yeah. Unless, hey, do I want Marcus on that journey? Typically, I do well with somebody that thinks I'm cool to have in the car while they're driving to wherever they're deciding to go. <laughs> Listening to the mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to let that mixtape right. go. <laughs> uh, next time we talk to you, I'm sure we'll be the founder. But I think <laughs> I these are all the good things because um, business, on when we got started, right, we're like, okay, LLC, you know, get a trademark. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. These are all the things that we know, but there's so many little nuggets that we didn't know, but we were so blessed to come into contact with mentors along the way who kind of, you know, gave us that information and helped us kind of walked us through everything. So, yeah, my idea with behind that was like, we weren't going to do anything until we talked to somebody mm -hmm. that did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They say experience is the best teacher, but you can also learn from someone else's experience. So yeah. we've been blessed with people that say, Hey, let me tell you what not to do because mm -hmm. I did this. It mm -hmm. didn't work. Or, I learned this the hard way. I don't want you to have to experience it the hard way. I'm going to just tell you straight out, you know, so that's a blessing that, you know, because I've also had the experience where I've worked at a company or something. I asked somebody a question and they didn't freely share the information because they feel like, well, I had to struggle. So you got to struggle, right. you know, and it's like that mentality. Yeah, yeah. I do not understand that mentality. And you do find that a lot, especially, unfortunately, in our culture. It's like um, I keep sharing this video that I saw was just hilarious um, with people like she did a video. She said that, you know, she went to a friend or someone she knows who uh, started a business and she said, hey, like, what did you do to get your business started? And she was like, oh, it was some long nights. It was very hard. She's like, I understand that. But like, wh what did you do? Like, it's like, I prayed, <laughs> I kept praying up and just what did did what I had to do. It's like, OK, but tell me specifically, specifically what step did you one, do? <laughs> two, three. And she was saying how hard it is to get people to share that information because they feel like if they had to struggle, if nobody gave them the information and they had to figure it out on their own, why should they give you the sauce? 
And it's like, but there's something, there's room for everybody. Absolutely. There is money to be made by everybody. There is not one sneaker company out here. Mm-hmm. Nike has Adidas to listen to, mm-hmm. Puma, Skechers, whoever. There are, um, you can, there's not one of anything out here. Everyone mm-hmm. has competition Absolutely. and it's okay. Yeah. I mean, even to add to that, B, like, getting away from some basic truths where like if you're having a conversation with somebody and this goes for any business from a lemonade stand to apple being able to focus on what's really making that business go and i think this gets swept under the rug you talk to some people and they'll explain to you what they did to get their logo but they don't explain to you how you get a person to, as a business owner, how do I get a customer or a client to take the money or the credit card in their wallet? How do I get them to put it in my wallet? And that right. conversation don't come up a lot. And that's kind of the crux of business. We'll go through, um, where did you fill this out? And, and, and what's your website look like? And what's your marketing plan? But the very, very basic step of how do I get the money in their wallet to go in my wallet? How do I get the money in their wallet to go in my wallet? What's that dynamic like, which can even be broken down as simple as relationships. Like, what do you do if you went out on the town one night and you wanted to engage somebody or meet somebody? You don't go up to everybody the same way, but there's a process that takes place when you try to get somebody's attention, when you try to proposition them for something and you try to influence a buying decision, so on and so forth. And I think a lot of that gets skipped and it turns into that kind of pushback or feeling like somebody doesn't want to give you information, but a person hasn't properly articulated or pat themselves on the back for what they just did. When mm-hmm. I get a client, I got them to take the money out of their wallet and decide to put it in my wallet. So there's a value proposition. There's a transaction yeah. that takes place where I'm giving particular information, particular services or a particular product. And I'm delivering a, a strong enough value proposition where whatever I'm trying to get for that information, a person says, that's a value to me. So mm-hmm. that simple concept can influence what you should do for marketing, who your mm-hmm. audience is, um, where are they? How do they like to spend their money? Do they like to spend their money on social media or do they like to meet you face to face? These are things that really, really are important to keeping the business going but not a lot of business owners are having that conversation. And that's where the anxiety getting overwhelmed come from because you'll put all this money into building a website, getting a brick and mortar space, how to get a grant, how to get the money for this. And you never sat with like, okay, how do, how do, once I get past my friends and my family, how do I let people know about what I do, why it's important and why they should pay me for it? That part. Definitely. Everything that we're going through. Uh, Topaz International Enterprise stated the Black community believes that once I got it, it's mine and mine alone. Do you agree? (laughs) I think um, I would say sometimes when, when things don't go the way we would like them to go, we rationalize why. Um, and sometimes we make decisions on what that is. Now, I personally consider a lot of that nuance. I think being in business is a journey. So it's just where you are right now, where you'd like to go and everything in between is just kind of details in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when it doesn't go well, or even some of the things I just brought up in my last answer, if you're not focusing on the mighty dollar or, or, or being able to follow the money, yeah, you're going to say it's because they didn't like me. 
it's because it's because it is. It's because it is. And mm-hmm. typically it's not that deep. Like think about if you go buy a jacket or a coat or if you go buy your kids dinner. Like a lot of us hate McDonald's, but it's a reason when time is tight, we sit in that McDonald's drive through. That's <laughs> not a coincidence. That was an engineer process that somebody said, we're going to put out content that specifically says when the kids are screaming in the back seat and you don't got a lot of time to go home and make dinner, even though you know this isn't a gourmet dinner or that's not real real meat in the burger or real meat in the chicken nuggets, pull in the McDonald's. And we keep looking at like those things like they're coincidences and they're not. And we need to adapt a lot of those same principles in our business. And a lot of that comes from just understanding your audience and understanding who's buying, which should be the most important, should be the sun that all of our businesses revolve around. How do my buyers want to engage my product? What are they willing to pay? Why are they paying that? When do they feel like doing it? We got to eat, sleep, and drink the people that pay us. For sure. You know, when you said that, that brought up a good point, huh? I said, when do, when do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> that brought up a good point because I was watching um, the history of... <laughs> uh food it was like it's about different food companies and i was uh i saw a little bit of mcdonald's but more about frozen food so it was like the different um swanson and how they got started and you know their competitors and um how they compete so they marketed to moms uh stay-at-home moms you know during that time back in the 50s and 60s a lot of women you know, we're stay-at-home moms. It was like, oh, you're taking care of the house and take care of the kids. You don't have time to cook, buy this frozen meal. So it was ingrained in a lot of families like, oh, we're busy. We're on the go. We don't have time to whip up a meal that might take two to three hours for me to make. Let me just make this frozen dinner. And it became a, a thing where people got their little frozen tray. They got the little tray tables and sat in front of the TV. So TV it was a dinners. perfect, yeah, it was a perfect marriage because television became very popular at that same time. So the owner of the company was like, well, TV is popular. We're trying to sell these uh, dinners as a convenience. Let's marry it to TV dinners. Mm -hmm. So that's perfect. And that's food that built America. I watched that too. Food that built America. I couldn't think of the name. B is infringing on our nerve nerve moments. I thought I was the only person who watched it. I see. She did. But it's funny she brings that up. Like a lot of the products that we like Apple, for example, that we think are these huge companies, like you look at something like the iPod, that wasn't some scientist in the back room that said, I'm going to create a music player. That was Steve Jobs liking to run around California. But at at that time, we had CD Dismans. And you remember if you walked around, the CD would skip. Yeah. So the revolutionary product did not come from somebody saying, I want to change the music industry. It came from somebody saying, hey, when I'm running around, it would be cool to run around and not have a CD skip so I can enjoy music while I'm running and voila, the iPod. So simple solutions to problems turn into the biggest businesses in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, same for us with coffee. I mean, we don't want to change you know, the coffee world. We don't want to change the taste of coffee. It's not about reinventing a wheel. It definitely is just about making it an easier process for people to get better quality stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know. It's and also, you know, I don't want to have to go here for coffee and go somewhere else for food. 
because that yeah. that happens a lot. You know, the major brand that I sometimes patronize, not as much anymore since I have my own coffee. Um, you go there for coffee if I'm out on the go and it's like, I don't want anything that y'all have to offer food wise. Now I have to go somewhere else because I'm on the go and I don't have time to get back home to eat. I have to get to where I'm going. You know what I mean? So we kind of wanted to marry both of those together, which is Cafe Coco Lucky. And I think that's one of the, you ladies, whether it was thought out or not, to me made one of the smartest decisions that uh, uh, any business owner can make. I feel like I did the same thing as well. Business is hard and it's going, you're walking in a lot of dark rooms with a blindfold on. So it's like a, a, double, a double darkness. At the very least, you can decide to open a business that kind of caters to your own personal likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. So you ladies being, hey, I know what it's like to go in a coffee shop. I hate the food assortment. I hate what the coffee tastes like. I'm around people where I'm understanding their likes and dislikes. Okay, let me create a solution in that space. Yeah. Me being somebody that would like to start a business or wanted to start a business, I do pretty well in my own backyard with black small business owners. So that's kind of like half the battle, understanding your demographic, who you're talking to and what that conversation might be like with them and being able to specifically focus on them. I'm assuming there's probably been many points where you ladies were probably sitting there at your think tank and you're figuring out what to do. And the solution just came from, well, if I was drinking this cup of coffee, I would Mm -hmm. like this. Yeah, And it informs you so much on like, even marketing, deciding where you should go, how you should do it. Just simple, like, what would I do? So starting a business where, like, you represent your target audience, that's 50% of the battle in my estimation. Absolutely. And to capitalize off of the Black Wealth Builder, you also have a Dollar in a Dream podcast. Uh, So tell us about that. Marketing? (laughs) Not having to... Not having the budget that Apple has, not having the budget that Walmart has, uh, credibility, not having access to some of the information that I thought would be important. And from a pragmatic standpoint, trying to figure out a way to climb that hill. So with some, there are businesses out there that are doing exactly what I would like to do. Like mm-hmm. my, my, my coupe de gras, the, the company that represents what I would like my company to be like is the company NAV that is a place where they kind of house like your business credit scores and they give you Mm -hmm. alerts on things you might be available for. I can't get to that CEO, but a dollar and a dream can. Mm -hmm. Um, From a marketing standpoint, I don't have the market share of a large um, resource firm or a large uh, business credit reporting company, but through a podcast, I may have 500 people in my network, but I may bring on somebody on my podcast who has 500 people in their network. Mm-hmm. How else would I get to that 500 people without a podcast, without any money? Just opening up my mouth and saying, hey, my audience would love to hear what you're talking about. And immediately, similar to what we're doing with this cross promotion, immediately you're going to have access to everybody in my network. I have access to everybody in your network. You would pay an advertising firm thousands upon thousands of dollars to be able to gain this type of market share that just took place by networking. Yeah. It, it solves a lot of problems, especially for a small business owner that doesn't have the resources or the know-how. And let me rub shoulders with the person that's next to me. And like earlier, we were talking about people not wanting to congregate and get with each other. 
a lot of it sometimes is how we present the information. Yeah. Um, hey, my audience loves what you do. They would benefit from what you're talking about. And you never know, during that 45-minute conversation, you can say, hey, how did you do this? How did you do that? How did mm -hmm. you do this? Where did you go for that? And you get access to that person and audiences in a way that probably never would have been possible without it. Yeah, I mean, it's a really great podcast and it lets, you know, the business owners talk in their own words about their business. You had a lot of great guests recently. <laughs> Three ladies in particular. Three ladies in particular. <laughs> it was on your show. I think they're talking about us. <laughs> but it's definitely fun doing your show and I, I got the opportunity to check out a few episodes. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I, I love, um, I've loved all the episodes, but there was one person, I forget his name, uh, but he was just talking about um, marijuana, cannabis. Cannabis, KJ. KJ, and I owe him I owe some information. KJ is coming, but yes, I know he's coming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole networking thing is like, you can see what guests that we've had on our show to maybe invite them onto yours and same, same with you, the guests that you've had on your show. Um, but absolutely amazing um, show. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely good to um, talk about business. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like it was definitely a learning um, lesson also listening to other business owners, um, you know, because you realize that you're not in a small bubble as you think as so many other people out there who have lived the same experience and been through the same experiences, even though they may be in a different industry. So it's good to get that information from others. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can, it allows for the opportunity to network and meet like-minded people who mm -hmm. are looking to be intentional about how they govern themselves and, circulate the dollar in the community and all that we can all help each other build together and grow stronger and y'all all probably know those days that we have where we feel like the sky is falling and a lot of times what's overwhelming about that is that we feel like we're the only person that understands yeah. so my company we've been to 11 cities in 2022 and it is so comforting to know i can walk in a room completely cold the only way these people know me is from an ad on eventbrite and to find out that that person is going through the same thing that I am. They were looking for me the same way I was looking for them. And again, a lot of times without with business, it's just like turning on the light in your lighthouse. So people can see you from all over and you'll go to the same thing you do in Chicago. You'll do in New York. You're doing Charlotte. You're doing Atlanta. You're doing LA. You're doing Las Vegas. You're doing Phoenix. And it can be overwhelming because you'll you'll be scared. You'll say, okay, do I want to jump out there like that? Do I want to make that investment in myself, in my business, without being sure that it's a return? And a lot of times people those those small entrepreneurs will get laughed at. That that lady that makes some cookies and everybody in the church likes them and she's wondering, should she start a business? There's a lady in LA that has cookies for her church too, and you can link with them. And you, yeah. if one person likes it, 10 people will, and giving yourself access, not only to the resources, but just that information, that, that confidence of, yeah, this works. I'm going to go take my business down to Atlanta. I'm going to take some cookies down there. And guess what? People in Atlanta like cookies, too. Mm -hmm. People in Charlotte like cookies, too. Similar to you ladies, they like coffee, too. Yeah. 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 It's all about that networking at the end of the day. Um, what are you looking forward to in 2023? 
complete can I curse? Oh, I'm not gonna curse. Yeah, complete, you can curse. Complete fucking domination. <laughs> you're you're well, taking over the world in 2023. <laughs> Deanna, I think you I think you um I'm gonna keep circling back to that comment you made early about being kind of upfront and facing that fear. But like, all right, the worst that can happen is I fail, but I'm gonna mm -hmm. set the goal at I want all of it. I yeah, want yeah. every single piece. I every do the day. work. And then you do, you do. I have traveled all over the country. People get it. There's yeah. no reason not to shoot for everything. And even if it doesn't work out, if it's all over tomorrow, why would you have lived the life where I wanted the goal anyway? Yeah, right. I always say you can't take the money with you. You can't take that fear with you either. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you, you know, we all going to go at some point, at least do everything that you wanted to try, even if you fail. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, when you're taking your last breath, you can say, I tried it. I mm -hmm. did it. I tried it. I lived. I conquered all of the above. It's something I absolutely love about a lot of the young people today. They do a lot of things. They take risks that, you know, we were mm -hmm. like either molded not to take or well, if there was a level of fear or, or not having seen it done before. There are a lot of young people that are making bold steps mm -hmm. and taking a lot of risk and soaring and, you know, making yeah. millions of dollars doing it. And they're not sitting at jobs for 30 years. You know, mm -hmm. they're like, if this job is not fulfilling me as Get a back. person, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're not even worried about the the check so much. Mm -hmm. They're looking for their employment to be an extension of their life and the, yeah. the life experiences that they want to have. And they're not like, you know, wasting time. So yeah, I love that. I think that can also comes ladies, with exposure. Can mm -hmm. I do you ladies your flowers? Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I love have flowers. To, have to. You ladies, you I would say you need to understand and in my travels, there's a million people, ladies out there that would like to do exactly what you're doing and they just need that push. So to me, there's, especially in the black community and the goal of the black wealth builder is like, we have a responsibility and Deanna, mm -hmm. you brought it up again. Um, the young people are taking it by the horns and they need to see us. We need to keep going for them. Like whether we yeah. fall on our face or not, whether we make a million dollars or not, they need to we need to reset the standard of what's expected of or what we're capable of. And it's people looking at us that we have no idea, even those people that question why we're doing it or say that it's stupid or say, why, we, why did you why did you quit a job or you're never going to make any money? We need to per se tune them out. But it's some eight year old right now that needs to understand that that's an option. It's yeah, some yeah, 21 yeah. year old that needs to understand that that's an option. And again, I give I give you ladies your flowers, a for what you're doing, and I think you ladies are doing something special. Ninety nine percent of the time is solopreneurs. It's hard to do it, but being able to do it as a collective, that's a whole different ball game. Being able to balance all of those personalities, all those wants and needs, and understanding how to operate in a system because that's what we're trying to build with our business. We're trying to build mm -hmm. a system that's duplicatable, um, yeah, cash flowing. Yeah consistent revenue and it's hard to do that when there's three voices yeah. and to well, be able to see what you ladies accomplish and, and kind of going further and further with it you deserve your flowers 
Thank you. you. Thank you. I was going to say we're stronger together. Even the solo entrepreneurs, you know, if you network properly, you might have that person that could, you know, help. Mm -hmm. um, in our case, we ran across a childhood classmate who happened to be a coffee roaster. So we're working together. You know what I mean? And I just feel like as a, a collective, we're stronger together. Absolutely. Yeah. We've, we've attended several events too, where it's like, I would feel maybe a little intimidated to go up to someone, but Deanna would be like, yeah, no, we need to go talk to this person. <laughs> um, same with, we have our very first pop-up coming up. You know, I tend to be a little bit more shy to start off with and kind of push them <laughs> to go before me, but I need them, you know, mm -hmm. by my side to help me, you know, talk and navigate through conversations but if i have to slide in somebody's dm <laughs> that's right it she don't mind. <laughs> does, does your barista prefer to be the wizard of oz because i saw the picture i'm like that's that um is it is it mj is it who i think it is are yeah. we allowed to yeah, yeah. tell them i said hello we, <laughs> we he's just known in our conversations as the the barista the brewer he often tells us now that he is not a barista he knows nothing about yes. it but he is yes he's, he's our coffee roaster, roaster. roaster. Yeah. we're gonna have him on the show soon because we talk about him enough but we're gonna we, we talked to him last weekend and he said that he's gonna be on the show so yes. um yeah tell no, him I, we for will sure. for sure. For sure. Uh, that connection, and, and a lot of times too, what tends to happen, especially with people that have grown up in our neighborhood, they're like, "Oh, well, I didn't know that he mm -hmm. was." But it really is just a matter of what kind of like showing what you're doing to people by us posting it on mm -hmm. Facebook, and then somebody sees it and they're like, "My brother," you know, mm -hmm. or whoever um, does X, Y, and Z. So yes, you have to have a friendly attitude when it comes to um, networking. Yeah. yeah. And we are building that networking bridge. Yes. yes. I want to ask you one thing, Marcus. Um, do you follow anybody? Like, do you have a mentor? Do you, you know, do you follow somebody that helps you along your path? Well, uh, whether you ladies like it or not, you've become mentors. And I think that's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. not fluff. I'm a salesperson. I can lay it on thick, but like, no, I really, really mean that. Um, there's something to be picked up from everybody. And kind of the point I'm making with that is, yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to be able to craft my business where my business is literally running around looking for people just like you. So the stories that I hear, these amazing journeys, these amazing uplifting stories. So the gas isn't the numbers. The gas isn't more clients. The gas isn't, uh, going to more cities. The gas is, being able to meet people like you and being able to make that my job and the information, everything that my company is built on, I pick up, I pick up stuff from, I listen, I pick up stuff from everybody. So tomorrow, if I come across 20 businesses, there's going to be somebody or something that we talked about. I'm saying, Oh yeah, by the way, I heard somebody told me that and it was kind of this. So to give a shameless plug about our, the other half of our cross promotion, I listened yeah. again and you guys went through, okay, this is how we pick the flavors and, and this is what goes into it. And the um, uh, BU like light cracks versus a hard crack versus hard crack and how it produces <laughs> this. 
guess how that arms me if I'm ever in a conversation with anybody in that space? Yeah. And it you start adding these things if you listen, because when you start going all over the place and you're hearing about these businesses, to be credible, you need to understand stuff. And it's not just the yeah. coffee acumen. You see the questions that I typically ask you guys, like, how did you do it with, with you ladies as a collective? How did you do it like this? And how did you how did you transform it? And when did you know this? Those are real questions. Like I said, we don't, mm -hmm. I don't script mine either. I asked you what I wanted to know. Um, and I armed myself with your answers. Well, Marcus, to give you a few few flowers back, I think it's great that you not only are taking your you know talents and abilities to build wealth for yourself, but that your passion is to build others and yeah. to be like a catalyst to uh, propel a business, a small business in the black community to its greatest heights. So that's something to be said as well. Yeah. So we also sure. tip our hats to you, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. And you don't understand the magnitude of what you're doing because it is much, much needed in our community. There are so many people, like you stated, the lady that sell cookies at church. Uh, there's so many people out here that are doing things but they don't know how to take it up to the next level. Mm -hmm. So they just stay in this. I'm going to be the person that sells plates of food out my house, which is great. Your food tastes good. Step it up to now I'm going to open my own business. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't um, know what to ask, so they don't ask anything. They don't know who to ask, so they don't ask anyone. Mm -hmm. They just stay where they are. So your business is much needed in our community to be that bridge that people could learn from and walk across to get to the next level of you know success. Can I? Okay, another shameless plug. But again, again, I listen <laughs> to the stuff that you ladies say. You you mentioned that kind of the idea for your business was came out of conversations as you all were just being there for each other and kind mm -hmm. of going through things yeah. and you really just walking out something that you wanted to do with friends. So I take, I take the flowers, but then I, at a certain point in time, I feel like I'm cheating where I get <laughs> to wake up in the morning and on most days when somebody going to work, I'm catching a flight to Vegas or to Atlanta to go to a conference room to hang out with a bunch of people just like you and me. Yeah. And it took a lot of work to do it where you asked me earlier, we're like, okay, what do you feel like you're good at? Well, I'm good at tinkering. So how do I translate being good at tinkering into a lifestyle that I like, that allows me to make the money I would like, that allows me to be around the people that I would like. And if you think about it, once the stuff pops, like how you, how you ladies were, Hey, that started from just hanging out on Friday nights. Mine started from like, man, it'd be dope if I got to travel all the time and got paid for it. And I got to talk to people about tinkering, which is what I feel like we do when we talk business. Like, how can we get this thing to pop? Um, mm -hmm. It feel like a cheat almost, but it's that articulation that comes with the work. If you put in the work, everybody else is going to think you got it easy. Mm -hmm. And they won't understand what went into it. And you ladies know how much you put into your jobs or, or, mm -hmm. uh, or where you are right now. Where it's like, nah, you have no idea, but you you appreciate you appreciate it, but it do feel like a sham. Like, nah, I was trying to figure out how to catch a flight every week and get paid for it. Um, <laughs> what, can I give, what can I give to somebody else in this particular conversation that I enjoy? I like yeah. hearing about somebody's trying to climb a 
who's trying to climb a mountain. So what are the real manifestations of these things that I would like to do? Oh, that's a black business owner. Okay, how can I make myself relevant to them? They all need resources. So school myself up on that. Come up with practical applications that kind of would apply to somebody in Chicago the same way it will apply to somebody in LA. Okay, they're not going to come to me. So take that chance. Hop a flight, go run a conference room, and without anybody, put an ad up on Eventbrite saying, hey, man, I want to share some resources with you, so on and so forth. First time, it didn't work that great. Second time was a little bit better. Third time was like this. Fourth time was like this. And you look up and it just came from, this is what I think I would like to do. But in 2022, mm -hmm. I got bills. So how do I give myself the time, the resources, the wherewithal to be able to just do something that I would like to do? And if we go back to wealth, that's what it is. That freedom, that option was like, Hey, y'all, it sounds great, but I get to wake up and do what I would like to do. It took years and mistakes to figure out, okay, how do how would this work? And how can I do this? The same way when you were brewing your flavors and kind of figuring out how those were going to work. Like, again, those things kind of really, really resonated with me because I could really relate to that process. Uh, we have Kina that just commented on trying to figure out how to tap into financial freedom and freedom of time. What are your thoughts on this? Marcus? Uh, define what it is for you. I think um, dreams need details. So a lot of times a person will say, hey, I want to quit my job and start a business. Which one? Um, what yeah. time? What does it look like? What will it feel like? And we kind of take it for granted that it's daydreaming, but like write that stuff down. And the stuff will end up being really practical. Like, um, mm -hmm. I would love to be able to get up tomorrow at whatever time I like. I would love to have at seven o'clock on Friday nights to be able to do this and kind of bring it back into practical terms. But to do that, you take an inventory of your own thoughts, your own things that you would like to do. And that's the fun part that to me offsets how overwhelming business is or can be. That at the end of the day, we all like little kids. It's like living <laughs> out a dream and finding yeah. out how to do it practically. So take all the good that come with it since we always taking all the bad and get in super, super detail on what that moment would look like for you. And eventually you're going to come out with some practical that don't seem so overwhelming where um, tell yourself the exact dollar amount when you make it or tell yourself what you're wearing, where you are, the moment you make it. And it gives you somewhat of a roadmap. And sometimes that's going to be all you have is that mental picture of what winning looks like to you, what wealth looks like to you, what success looks like to you. Take that picture and give it as much detail as possible till you come out with something that's tangible. Yeah. Sounds like me on the beach. It sounds like <laughs> manifestation. <Absolutely. laughs> me on the beach while the you know money is being made. Yes. And uh, being able to be free to do yeah. what I want. Mm -hmm. When I want it, or how I want it. So Bianca, you could take a thought like that and just work it backwards. So you've been on the beach before. Um, mm -hmm. So like, how did you get there? How much did the ticket cost? What circumstances were going on in life that said, hey, I'm going to take a trip this weekend. What did you do with the kids? Uh, what did you do at work? And you start like kind of playing with some of those simple factors where if I move this mm -hmm. over here and I do this like this and I save this amount of money right here and then I put this amount of money into that, like the stuff isn't as difficult as we think if nope. we allow ourselves to think in those terms. Like it's not as difficult as you think to just wake up on the beach tomorrow and still be able to cover all your expenses. 
but the business is a, a vehicle to do that. So the business right. should be engineered to achieve certain things that seem far-fetched, but all you're really saying is like, it would be dope to wake up on the beach tomorrow. That's getting up on, a, that's just getting on a plane and going somewhere. So figuring yeah. out how do I get on a plane tomorrow? With my normal schedule, what would have to happen? What would I have to change to be able to just get on a plane tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I awesome. definitely. So <laughs> it has been a good time. Yeah. <laughs> we could go on for hours and hours. And hours. <laughs> yes. And you've just given us so much good information. We could definitely do this again. Absolutely. So with that being said, Dollar in the Dream podcast. Yeah. Tell them more about, you know, you have three fantastic guests coming up. Tell us more about that. When will um, air where they can find it? So, yeah, I ran into I ran into three ladies. Y'all might know them. Uh, <laughs> I ran into three ladies and similar to what Bruin says, I got a chance to ask them some of the same questions that I was asked tonight and the tables were turned. So if anybody is watching this pod, and I know a lot of people are, if you thought my answers were okay, kind of multiply that by three. Well, if you, if you thought the vibe was good, multiply, <laughs> multiply it by three. And the same way, it wasn't it wasn't as hard hitting as mine, but I mean that in a good way. Different distinct personalities, um, being able to kind of tell a story and each kind of similar to the flavors, where it's like each kind of adding their own little thing. Uh definitely mm-hmm. something I think people won't want to miss. Uh, and it really sheds a lot of light because what my takeaway from that podcast is hey, people need to see this because they need to understand that it's so much more than coffee, it's more or less a movement than it is just a small business. And I think when a person gets to understand what makes somebody tick, and I feel like on that podcast, you you, you open the curtain on what makes you ladies tick, how you got together. And I think everybody kind of needs to hear it. Everybody. Oh, well, where can they hear it? When can they find it? We've decided. Well, we say uh, on Thanksgiving, especially, yeah. we're going to be dropping a holiday treat um, it's going to be the A Dollar in a Dream podcast featuring the wonderful ladies of Cafe Coco Latte, Deanna, Bianca, and Shelly. And we're going to be getting into these amazing stories of how they started this business. And I, and I hope I did the proper tease, but they kind of take us behind the curtain about all the other things that they're going to do. And they're telling us why. So we talked earlier about how to access information. It's a perceived brick wall. You ladies tear that down. And, and to me, you go places that I think a lot of people um, need to understand how you got there. Thank you so much. Yep. We, we are so excited and thank you for having us on your show. Apple Podcasts. Yes, Apple, Podca- Apple um, Podcasts and Spotify. You can find your podcast. And um, it was a great experience. It was our first interview. We had a great time. So thank you very much for that. And we must have you back again at some point. Um, so you can- stuck with me now. <laughs> I'm coming to family reunions. I'm gonna be there Saturday. Going on Saturday. I'm gonna be there Saturday. I'm at Keith's birthday. I'm all over the place. Speaking yeah. of Saturday, yeah. we will be a part of a pop up, so you get to experience Cafe Coco Latte Live. It'll be three of us ladies. Our chef Eric will be there. Mm-hmm. We'll be selling our pastries. We'll be selling our coffee, and you can actually get coffee to walk around with and you know and try, try it out try yeah. and enjoy it 
Um, so that'll be a great time. And the address is? 3757 West Douglas. And the time is? Six, no, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. All yeah. right. See yes. you there. So, so we will definitely see you there, Marcus. And I, I feel like we got to talk to Marcus every week. Yeah, so, I know, you know right? Well, no, I was going to say, Marcus, let, let our audience know how they could find you if they want to tap you for services or business advice or all things Marcus Carter. Uh, all of my socials are brand, so you can just at the Black Wealth Builder, lowercase, all one word. Make sure you check me out now. If you don't check me out tonight, check me out tomorrow because I will be posting information on the pop up that these ladies got going on this Saturday. So you're on the right page if you see their face when you come to my page. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. That was definitely so kind. So yes. we will. Um... See you there. Yeah. As always, Marcus, we've had a great time with you tonight. And to the brew crew, we always have a great time with you as well. But we will let Marcus go for now. Yes. yes. So uh, before we let everyone go, um, Marcus will be back in touch. Bye, Marcus. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Um, before we let everyone go, our book. Yes. yes. So let's leave you guys with a treat. Didn't know you was going to do that, so I'm going to distract everybody. Yeah. What's up, Brew Crew? My name is Janine Rogers, and I am excited to be a guest on What's Brewing Sis podcast on December 1st as we discuss my book, Don't Smell Like Smoke. We will be discussing the journey of grace, faith, hope, and joy as they walk through the fires of life, but they come through those fires and they don't smell like smoke. There's a little bit of everything in this book. There's some laughter, there's some joy, there's some drama, some juicy details. You may even shed a tear. There's poetry and even a self-reflection journal at the end for you to go through your own personal journey. I invite you to get your book now so you can read it and be ready for the conversation. Go to don'tsmelllikesmoke.com, put in the code COCOLATTE for 20% off, and join us on December 1st as we talk about Don't Smell Like Smoke on What's Brewing Sis podcast, available on YouTube and other streaming platforms. I hope to see you there. It won't be the same without you. Hey, y'all. Yeah. Here's the book. Don't Smell Like Smoke, December 1st. We'll have Janine Rogers with us live. We'll be doing our book club. Yeah. Get your book on don'tsmelllikesmoke.com. 20% off with the code Coco Latte. One word, Coco Latte. Yes. Um, Join the conversation. We want as many people to read this book. We want uh, Janine to sell out. You know yes. what I'm saying? How about we come together um, as a group of people, read a good book, come out and conversate about it. We're going to ask Marcus to read it too, so he can come and join us. <laughs> um, but yeah, join this conversation, get the book. Um, you will be supporting uh, an author. Yeah. Um, essentially, you will even be networking too, you know, meeting somebody new and, and joining the podcast with us. So we're so excited about this book. We have yet to read it. So you have time. <laughs> if you feel like you don't have time before have time. December 1st, you definitely have time. So grab the book on don'tsmelllikesmoke.com yep. and be sure to use the 20% off coupon. But Coco Latte is the code. Yes, Coco Latte is the code. And as always, until next time. Until next time. Keep, keep it, it brewing. brewing. <laughs>